Okay. So hi everyone, we are back. Uh, we have the privilege to have Dr. Robert Boyd joining us today. Dr. Boyd, welcome. How do you do? Great. Dr. Boyd, we'd like to introduce yourself. I think that you do a better job than I do. Just introduce yourself and tell us what are your perspective, how, how it's going over there. Well, I'm doing pretty good. I worked for many years in, as a professor in uh, several universities, eventually becoming chairman of several orthodontic departments, University of California, San Francisco, and then my last position was University of the Pacific, and I retired last July, And uh, but I retired to still a bit of a busy week, and uh, what I'm doing now is continuing teaching part-time as a professor emeritus. And uh, then I am also pursuing consulting work with the Invisalign company and long history of involvement with the Invisalign company over the years, literally because I was asked when there was just four people in the company, and I think there's about almost 20,000 now, uh, to look at that product. And I, quite frankly, I was amazed at what I saw and amazed at the potential. So my shift of my studies, efforts, teachings, and everything started switching after I saw Invisalign. And I did the first clinical study of it back. We met in 1997, just as they had gotten their patent, first patent. And then we started work in 1998, and uh, then it was released around 2000 to orthodontists and 2001 to uh, general dentists. And I've been working on it ever since. My work with the Invisalign company was primarily in the research and development department in uh, creating new tools for the doctor to do more successful Invisalign treatment and, and of course, scope of treatment. I started out, I had a list of things that Invisalign couldn't do that I developed in 2000, the year 2000. I, I saw that at a lecture and since the year 2000, up to about a year and a half ago, I had carefully gone through each one of those things, and uh, they included things like extracting teeth, uh, correcting a class two person with overjet, correcting an underbite, um, and, and so uh, moving impacted teeth, uh, using Invisalign with orthognathic surgery patients, and so on. So each one of these things, which to me was a goal, uh, I had great, took great delight in putting another line through it, sort of like the prisoner in jail crossing out the days on the calendar. Done, 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 done. <laughs> yes, that's done. You're saying it's hard for you to stay idle and just in pause, right? Because you, this start as you're retiring. <laughs> well, you know, I retired because it was time to go to a different phase of my life. Uh, I felt like our department at school had successfully made the transition 
to doing Invisalign. We had a number of very good faculty who teach Invisalign, so I felt like I could turn over the keys, so to speak. Uh, our new chair was very good at Invisalign, and a uh, number of faculty, like I say. So that, that made it a little easier, and really my most shall we say, significant work was really in trying to envision the future, trying to help the company to get to the next spot, to accomplish the next goal and think about, well, what do we need to do next? And so what this did was it created an opportunity for me to continue working with the company and take all the work that I had. I didn't worry about the department falling apart, so to speak, you know, if I left and they stopped doing Invisalign or something, uh, the residents do more Invisalign, I believe, in our department than any department. They do about 35, sometimes 40 cases out of their 100, 100 plus cases that they start. And that that's a pretty good number. That uh, means that they're approaching the halfway point of uh, cases that they treat. And Typically, an orthodontic department might do anywhere from two to five if um, cases of Invisalign. And, and a lot of that is because they don't have the faculty yet who really have the experience. And, and of course, our school attracted people who were interested in doing Invisalign. I recruited them heavily. And then I brought in outside speakers. And uh, for instance, a lady named Sandra Ty, uh, who's from British Columbia, comes and she's just written uh, an excellent textbook on it. And she's considered one of the experts in the world. And she's willing to come and uh, teach our students. So I think in a way, I told them, they, they were saying, oh, you're leaving, you're leaving. And I said, yeah, but it's going to get better. The people who are coming will do a better job than I did, and it will free me up to do some things that will make it better for you in the future. You're leading the change, Doug. But the, the purpose of this meeting was to talk about this prison crisis and how the effect that it has on our industry. Can you tell us your perspective of things, how the COVID-19 will affect us as a dentist? Yeah. Well, first off, any I've always believed that anytime you have a challenge, you have an opportunity. And so, for me, I've spent my time thinking about what we can do in the future based on our experience with COVID that could make our lives better than they would have been if it hadn't happened. In other words, to somehow come up with a positive outcome uh, to this uh, terrible uh, tragedy of a pandemic. So for me, uh, the, the idea was that um, I would try and envision how would a practitioner practice in the future. And I had already been involved with uh, monitoring, patient monitoring remotely as a project at Invisalign. And it became abundantly clear that if you had an Invisalign practice, you were in much better shape for this pandemic because first off, you didn't have as many emergencies of pokey wires and broken 
uh, hard appliances. You didn't have the liability of periodontal disease perhaps going on because fixed appliances can create more plaque and so forth. And then you also have the ability that you have a plan, a three-dimensional detailed plan of your treatment. And so what you can do, if you can figure out a way to somehow get a, a point in time of the position of the teeth during the treatment that the patient has, and then compare that automatically with the database that you have in the computer, you can say, bingo, that's how you're doing today. So it gives you a report instantaneously, so to speak, by superimposing the patient's present condition with what you have in the computer about where they should be at that point in time. Now that's a big advantage because that's all digital platform. So a doctor, the way I envision a doctor in the future working on this remote monitoring is to have a number of screens in front of them. And uh, I've talked to some doctors about this. They think they could easily double the number of patients they see in a day if they didn't have to seat them in the chair and make them a new appointment and so forth with the traditional things. And then, of course, from the patient's point of view, the idea of going to the office. So remote monitoring, this uh, pandemic has clearly moved remote monitoring front and center. And so what's going to happen in the future is we're actually going to have a better way to monitor patients more accurately. And I think those tools are already well underway. Uh, and this would be eventually a, a three-dimensional system where you would know exactly where this patient is for that day. Doctor, I think that the dental field, it's a little larger than just Invisalign. Do you think that leading the change you did in ortho, there's something that we can do about the rest of the industry to monitor things from a, from a distance? Is there anything that sure. you can learn from this? Well, I think, again, that's just the example that I happen to be involved with the most. I think the concept of telemedicine, uh, remote dentistry, uh, you know, visualizations. I think, I think no matter what you call it, I think there's many, many applications. Now, I haven't even talked about education yet. I was talking about just treatment at that point. But once the doctors can effectively remotely manage their patients without the patient actually needing to come in to be seen, that's that's one of the basic components. The other thing is that students nowadays, if you check with the average young, say in their 20s, they will frequently tell you that they would sooner learn remotely. And so that's the other component here is remote learning. And uh, I feel that we are now being forced to put things into digital format for remote learning because we can't get together. That is creating the opportunity to develop the systems that will deliver effective education. So we're getting an immediate test ground of learning. So there's two components, treatment and learning. Also, and 
a little industry. Yep. There's a lot of red tape because we will talk about this with Dr. Wallet on uh, several occasions. And you had the experience of leading a change through a conservative industry. <laughs> you, you make people accept the fact that we can use plastic instead of braces. Um, do you think that the industry can be something that can happen within the next few weeks or within a few days so our dentists can resume part of their practice while in pause? Is that something that you even imagine possible? Yeah, I think a pause, see, first off, what I'm c coming to is there doesn't have to be a pause because of something like a pandemic. In other words, if your systems are working for remote monitoring, and if your systems are working for remote education, those would be the two reasons why patients or doctors go places to, to, to learn and to do the treatment. So once you can do those things remotely, then you're all set. And I think this pandemic has definitely speeded that process up, mostly by virtue of acceptance of the people and the focus, I mean, Invisalign now is focusing on how to teach the doctors remotely by, you know, things like what we're doing today, uh, which would be uh, reaching uh, so many different people. I mean, some of these uh, seminars, as you know, can be 500 people, and you can really get a pretty good quality to the education. So. So my feeling is that we're going to be working home a lot more in the future because of this pandemic. And people like to work home. I mean, I see you there. You look very comfortable. I happen to have a blank wall behind me. But I think most people, you know, like the idea that, well, I, instead of getting up and getting all dressed and putting a tie on, I am going to turn on my computer and give that lecture that I normally would give it for two hours to get there and setting up and so forth. Uh, and the interesting thing is that the students want this. I think that's important. The other thing is the cost of education has gotten completely out of hand. And the only hope we have now of truly containing that is by making it more efficient and uh, cutting down some of the amount of effort that we have to spend. Uh, so, so I think we're gonna be able to reach more people in ways that they want to be reached. And I think that they're going to learn more because the tools now, if you think about it, video conferencing, what we're doing next seven, eight years ago, the equipment that was available wasn't very good, and and we couldn't have a conversation like this. You know that, and so it's only going to get better. In education, there's no red tape really, because mainly people can just connect. In treatment, there's some law, there's regulation, and if we come back to the fact that if this is, is there any way for us to resume, based on your experience, our practice right away using the tools that we have available. Um, I, I was asking because you're telling me that you need some screen in front of you. What would be the technical requirement so everybody can start monitoring the patient from a distance? Well, as you know, there are systems out there today that allow the doctor to do a virtual exam 
I mean, this has been going on in medicine for a while and talk to the patient, get to know them, understand their needs. And then uh, now there's always the question about an x-ray if that's needed or some test, diagnostic test. They might have to go someplace for that. But after the face-to-face or not face to the virtual meeting with the doctor, the doctor arranges this and then organizes a treatment plan and then presents the treatment plan to the patient remotely. And then the patient comes, if it's for the delivery of the initial service, obviously that would be a required visit, but then they would go into a remote monitoring where the doctor would decide when and if we need to see the patient in conjunction with the patient's decision. And, but I believe that you can actually monitor patients if you have the right tools more effectively remotely than you can even with your own two eyes sitting there in the chair across from the patient. Don't believe that. Uh, and I was certainly one of those people that said, you got to go to the doctor. You got to meet the doctor. You got to know the doctor. But it's just not what's going to happen in the future. We're going to have telemedicine as a very, very component of our delivery of care. And it's how we're going to learn, too. Uh, and it's going to really bring the cost of education down. The average orthodontist now graduates, if they're from a public school system, they might owe four or $500,000 in school debt by the time they're an orthodontist. If they went to a private school, they might owe $800,000 in debt. Now, how can you go out, start a practice, after you've lost all these years studying, and you have this huge debt and you're paying a very large monthly payment, even as the minimum, and then be expected to start a practice. So it has already affected the way people practice. Our, our graduates frequently they don't want to go buy an office. They, they just want to get a job so they can pay their student loans. And so what has to happen in the future is that there's going to have to be cost containment on these outrageous costs of tuition that we have. And so I think... That will be another very good uh, spin-off. So more accurate monitoring, more effective learning because doctors will have much more choice and to pursue things remotely. And I, I think the cost of education can go down considerably. And just for the people watching us, just remind you that Dr. Robert Boy has been part of the team leading a change in the conservative industry. So this is more than just ideals. This can go a long way, especially now that we have the motivation to, to change things or to come back and try to, uh, to recruit the loss. Um, this is just more than worse, I believe. You have a plan. Oh yeah, I mean, and it's working. Um, it's, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when and how we're doing it and developing it a little bit more. But, there are orthodontists now who have remote practice setups. There is something called dental monitoring. Uh, Invisalign Company is working on several different projects for more effective remote monitoring. But all 
I, and I, of course, I'm, I'm very favorable in my feeling about Invisalign because they're a big company. I mean, Invisalign has a group of people who just bring new technology to the company. Their job, their engineers, they're just out there looking. And then they meet with uh, the Align technology who makes Invisalign. And they present, they say, well, you know, there's this new device coming. I never even device could do this. And the people would say, oh, you mean we could do that? And you don't even know that that task could be done until you looked at it and somebody solved a problem that you hadn't even realized yes. was a problem or you could solve it. I mean, it's like, wow, you know? Uh, so keep working, yeah. This is too fun to to give away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are headed for. I'm telling you, a golden age. The golden age is going to be more personal freedom for doctors, more personal freedom for patients, and much lower cost of education. And uh, so, in the average day. In the, in the future, 10 years from now, I envision students being able to get their education in a more timely, more organized, self-paced kind of manner. And then they will not have the ex extensive student debt, so they'll be able to go out and have their own practice. And they won't be burdened with, if you have the average practice starts 300 patients a year now. Well, how many patients could you start a year if they were only coming in for three visits instead of 30? All I have to say here is Dr. Robert Boy for president. <laughs> this is what I want to hear. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, I, I'm just a tool. I'm just a step along the way. And, uh, but just like when I first saw Invisalign, I said, that is going to be a great helper. And the reason why it was going to be a great helper was because it was a 3D to diagnose the patient's needs. And up to that point, the only time we had 3D information were the models, the plaster models that we would have in our hand. And then all of a sudden, those models were in front of us in three-dimensional images that we could measure. And I thought, wow, now that's a big step forward. That was a giant leap forward to do that. And then, of course, the idea of giving a patient a series of numbered uh, appliances. I mean, what's, what's harder than that? You're on number two. Uh, let's see, what should you do? Well, I go to number three. How about, there's a little number three on the third aligner. It's on the box. It's stamped on the aligner and, and tell them what it looks like when it fits. And, but now you see the other thing that's happened, cameras have become so good. I mean, 5G is going to be an absolutely incredible way that we're going to move to the future because we're going to have so much data in our hand with our phone. We take a picture of what's going on in our mouth that model, because it can be a 3D picture, as you know, uh, an I-11 has three cameras on it, and but the 5G speeds up the transmission of large data sets, 
And of course, it's on the going to clouds, so it doesn't have to upload to some remote place or work with a physical hard drive system or something like that. It's just going back and forth. And so what happens is it happens fast. And you know yourself, if you added up how much time you spent in front of a computer, just sitting there waiting for something to happen. I mean, what a deal. That's going to that's gonna largely go away. I mean, how about that for a deal? And that is upon us. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have. But usually I'm asking my speakers to finish with, to conclude with a message of hope. In your case, I'm going to twist this a little bit. Uh, I promise to not force your hand, but knowing all that you have to say, next Friday, we're going to have a, a Zoom conference, hopefully with yes. more people, to talk about the future of dentistry, but especially teledentistry. I would like to formally invite you to be part of the panel and to keep this discussion going because you have more than ideas. In your experience, you have led uh, a conservative industry to a change. And right now, we need this. But for, for yesterday, uh, please accept my invite. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm committed to the idea that the future is going to get better if we allow ourselves to open our minds and develop and think ahead. Think out of the box. I like that expression. Think out of the box. Dr. Boy, it's uh, a rendezvous next week. And let's try to have all the thinkers of a profession together to make a change, and I'm repeating myself, if this can happen within the next few days, we have a way to resume dentistry before the end of this pause, and we won't have to face a crisis by May or by June facing empty schedules. Well, I think there's gonna be a shifting, uh, and the shifting has already started, luckily, Um, but I envision personally that we'll be back to provided the models of the disease are accurate at current, but if they are, I predict by the end of the summer, we're going to be back to a fairly normal routine. And uh, and then it's going to just get better, though. See, that's the point. It's not that we're just going to get back to where we were. When we get back, we're already going to be ahead of where we were. So everyone, if you want to be ahead, Be with us next Friday. Dr. Boyd will be with us. Thank you so much for your wisdom and sharing the hope. Because when this time, we need that. We need hope and we need actions. Good. And and what time next Friday? It's going to be from 1 to 3 next Friday. uh, 1 to 3? Oh, yeah. So that's 10 o'clock my time, California time. Yes. I'm so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You have to wake wake up a little sooner. (laughs) Yes. I might be a little early at 10, your time, or uh, 1 o'clock. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next week.